0: guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to H Podcast Nation. Of course, on the channel, we've got uh, lots of recorded and live shows from football, MMA, mental health, conspiracy theories, TV, films, and anything else you can think of. And we also recently launched a new cricket series, which uh, is myself, West Indian batsman Kieran Powell, and ex-Glamorgan batsman Nye Norman. Uh, and each week, we are joined by a, a new guest. Last week, we were joined By West Indian fast bowler and Middlesex fast bowler Miguel Cummins and uh, next episode we are joined by Ashes winner Simon Jones which is going to be a really interesting show and I'm really looking forward to that one Uh, and of course we have the live Andy Campbell show Monday uh, where we have a new guest each week we recently had uh, Emil Heskey, Graeme Kavanagh, Danny Gabadon and many others Uh, we've got Derek Brazil coming up and a few others which I'm not allowed to talk about yet and of course, we have the Friday Championship Show live 7 o'clock, where we talk about just the SkyBet Championship. Always a lot of fun. And today, after I spent probably a good portion of Monday show with Emil Heskey and Andy Campbell talking all about English football and 5 1 against Germany and all this, I am delighted to talk to uh, Talk Sports Welsh football correspondent and uh, one of the co founders of Eat Sleep Media. Mr.
1: Lawrence Mora, how are you, my friend? Oh, mate, I'm really, really good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the cricket show you've got coming up as well. I mean, it's been uh, not having any cricket during this COVID st- situation has been just horrible. Uh, seeing it come back has been so good. Seeing the West Indies give us a right good going over in <laughs> um, <laughs> the first test wasn't great, but um, but yeah, it sounds like you got some great guests. So I'm going to be looking forward to watching that, mate. Really looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah,
0: it's, it's a new one. Um, So, I had to, the, the most recent show I recorded with them. Uh, obviously, we had, it was only me and Kieran, uh, who's West Indian. And then, our guest was also a West Indian fast bowler and I was kind of, and England were not doing very well. So, that was a fun one for me <laughs> as uh, we were talking about that. But no, it's been it's been really fun. I've wanted to do a like a cricket show for a while because um, I used to play it myself and I it's something which I'm quite passionate about. However, it's been finding someone who's able to sort of do it, whether it's bi-weekly or weekly, and and then being able to get guests. But luckily, as the channel has grown, I've found it easier to get guests, which is, you know, such is life, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And when having Simon Jones on would be awesome as well, because yeah, like, what a that. player he was in his day. What a player. Like that 2005 Ashes series, uh, and he's kind of the... I suppose if you, if you'd be unkind, you'd say almost a little bit of the forgotten man, but wow. 100%. He came on with his reverse swing. What so a player. Um, and, uh, yeah. And we and took some incredible, incredibly important wickets. And then what happened with his injuries and what have you it was just, just so sad, really. Yeah. It's, it's... Really? He didn't
0: have a very long England career, no. which is such a shame because he was so talented. And, um, One of the questions I want to ask him actually is if he's interested in kind of helping coach the younger players because I think he's got so much to offer with his skill, just with the reverse swing and the things he was able to do with the ball. The only other English bowler who I think comes close to having that skill set with reverse swing is probably Darren Goff. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think anyone from an English point of view has ever been able to really get that consistency of reverse swing and um, it's a shame that he had you know Simon had such a bad injury that his career yeah. was or his England career was cut short but while he was there he was very special so yeah I'm looking forward to that one that's going to be yeah, yeah, yeah it's going to be really cool and we got a, I spoke to Adam Hollyoak the other day for um one of my other series uh My Story which is basically where we just take athletes or actors and people through their sort of whole life and career and you know he's got such an interesting um, and as you know obviously sad t- uh, story at times, but it's also there's kind of a positive side to it as well. The way he's come mm-hmm. through it and what he's got been up to since, and he's a lot of positivity in the things that he's getting up to. So I'm kind of looking looking forward to dropping that one as well. Yeah, looking
1: forward to watching it. Looking forward to watching it.
0: Um, so obviously you you've been uh, Working hard, I've seen on your, like your LinkedIn and your social media, you've been back to it recently after the, the COVID, which has kind of slowed everyone down. It's been, I've got to say, uh, from a podcast point of view, it's been quite good for me because people have been home, so they've been easier to kind of pin down for interviews and shows. But obviously, for people like yourself who predominantly travel and, and go out and about for their work, it must have been quite a difficult period
1: yeah so um so it's kind of been a bit of both really uh on the one hand uh obviously all of the talk sport work just kind of disappeared in a flash as soon as the as soon as all the leaks stopped um you know that that finished so um so that was kind of a bit scary in the first instance because you're not sure what's going to happen and and taking sport completely out of the way of it you know. It was my first pandemic, so you know, yeah. just kind of uh, <laughs> figuring out what to do with all that. But, um, but yeah, so but then on the, on the flip side, um, each League Media has continued. Um, we've continued doing content for FC Cymru, uh, which we do for the FAW. Um, and as you've said, getting guests for that has been very, very straightforward. Everybody was available, funnily enough. Um, and, uh, and the other thing was, was fantastic viewing figures. We kind of flipped how we did it, Quite early, and we've, we've gone online doing a lot of Zoom calls, uh, Zoom edits, video casts, which we then uh, take and we turn from video casts into podcasts as well. And the yeah. will be launching a, a, a podcast series as well soon, which will have taken our video casts we've done in lockdown and turned them into podcasts. So, um, so on the creative front, it's been really interesting, um, and actually, we've managed to keep working. We've kept uh, kept producing content and. Um, yeah, and, and the viewing figures have been absolutely phenomenal. So uh, sort of blown us away really. Well yeah. On the one hand, great to be back in empty stadiums and having that, but on the other hand, it's been a really interesting experience for Eat sleep media.
0: So how did uh sort of eat
1: sleep media come about? How did it begin? Where did the idea come from? So um so e Sleep Media kind of uh rolls into uh my time as becoming becoming freelance. So it's sort of five years ago. Five years ago, this summer actually, um, I left Sky. I'd been working the Sky News Radio for ten years, close to ten years. Um, it was felt like I needed a change. I wanted to, you know, bring the kids back over the border uh, for schooling and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, we as a family decided to come back, uh, and it just meant no hats as then start again and, and restart the career. And I was always very conscious that it's such a it's a career which can kind of come and go quite quickly. You know, you you can have your talk sport work and you can have your other work from other places. But if you don't diversify your work, then, well, when things like global pandemics hit, mm-hmm. you're left, left without sort of revenue streams and you're left without, uh, without money and, and, and a career. So, um, yeah, so that, so that kind of always made me kind of feel quite nervous. And, and I wanted to do so. I've always wanted to do something for myself. So slowly but surely... Uh, and I wouldn't say I just had this grand plan of Eat Sleep Media. It was slowly but surely this plan kind of uh, took shape. To start with, it was to start a Welsh football channel um, because I felt that Welsh football was terribly ignored uh, oh, here yeah. by commercial entities. You know, the BBC do what they do well. Um, S4C take the uh, take and grab the uh, the, the domestic football, uh, and it's a little, a little bit of a carve up. ITV don't do anything um you know they've now got beth going around doing a few bits and pieces which is great she's uh, she's been good for them uh but in the main they don't do anything they don't show any football they don't show any highlights of the domestic leagues. uh the radio stations don't don't try and challenge the bbc in the slightest and it absolutely drives me up the wall. so was like well you know let's do something about that uh, and that's kind of where the idea was born and then yeah. since then it's taken lots of different kind of routes. But, uh, but that was the kind of the initial idea sort of five years ago and how it just got going.
0: Yeah. You mentioned there about um, ITV and S4C, obviously like when I was younger, I remember watching uh, like soccer Sunday on ITV and they used to have the highlights of all mm-hmm. the Welsh teams and they, you know, they'd go from Cardiff and Swansea and Wrexham and they would go through and they would show you the Mirtha highlights. And so you, as a kid when we didn't have sky and things like that i would be able to to watch welsh football and the welsh teams who i'd always follow as a kid i'd always look out for because they're the teams which i guess as a kid you see when you're driving around with your parents you see you go through swansea or you go through cardiff or you know Mirth or whatever so they were the teams i enjoyed watching more on an itv than i would maybe like match of a day was too late for me to watch at that age um and like you say it just completely dried up. I, I can't even remember mm. the last time ITV really did anything from a from a f- domestic football point of view.
1: Um, and, it's, it's and that's kind of, of happened across the regions as well, hasn't it? You know, yes. It's not just like oh, we're ditching Wales, you know, like um, Points West used to do stuff in Bristol and then could go around the around the country and you've got different places. Uh, and, and all those sort of local football shows have, have dried up because yeah, they do not do it as a central hub and you know, financially, I, maybe that makes sense to them, but I think the people in those areas are being cheated.
0: Yeah, what you lose is you lose focus. So that the only focus you get uh, on particular teams or leagues, even like the particularly the lower leagues, is you just kind of get little bits and pieces on Sky or. Like um, Quest I think is the championship And the EFL shows now But you don't get anything which is kind of localised To to areas or clubs Which is obviously what fans and people Of those areas want Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, I think is probably why you've seen Such a growth in uh, kind of like fan channels and things yeah. like this on YouTube which can have positives hey. and negatives well,
1: I was going to say it's good for me and you mate <laughs> yeah well that's it yeah. that's, no, so, uh, that's... Um, so where, where where one door closes opportunity knocks you know so I think it's. Um, I think the, the proliferation of the media as well was kind of like really interesting to me at that point and, and watching these fan channels kind of springing up and I was like yeah, that could definitely work in Wales 100% um, and in fact it needs to work in Wales because there's no commercial entity stepping up to the plate to uh, no, no, and also I, I just want to be clear I'm not slagging off the BBC coverage no, or no, the, the S4C coverage because they do what they do and they do it as they've always done it, and, and they do it really well. And if it wasn't for them, like, how would I have ever listened to Wales games in the past on the radio, or yeah. you know, um, and sort of, you know, from afar in London, you know, check back in. So so certainly not doing them down, but I, you know, competition is needed and different forms of media are needed for different people. And I, and I think that's where the commercial sector has let Wales down. I think Wales Online, you know, very hard working journalists that go there but i think i had such an opportunity to do kind of what we're doing you know they have yeah. the ability to go in and do that uh, with their size of audience and make it pay but they've totally missed the boat they just don't get it uh, or they are hamstrung by uh, their, their the trinity mirror who are the sort of you know, this is, the way where you the owners, yeah. this is the way you do it in Yorkshire. This is the way you do it in Wales. This is the way you do it, et etc. et cetera. So, um, so it could be a bit of that, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, if
0: you look at like Wales online's websites and then you go to I don't know Bristol live or, mm. you know, where they're all completely identical, yeah. uh, in the way they're laid out and the way they're portrayed, and I guess I can see the benefits to that in some ways. Yeah, but yeah, also, no. you lose you lose that kind of individuality and creativity of the. You know, I'm sure at Wales Online or Bristol Live. There's, I'm sure, there's some really creative people and journalists mm-hmm. who would love to do podcasts or or yeah. digital media and create you know interesting content. But like you say, maybe they're not able to or are not allowed to to do those things. And like even with radio, I think like. If it wasn't for BBC Radio Wales, you know, I, I, w- I would have been able to listen to Cardiff City games and things like yeah. this over the years. But it would be nice if, like, for instance, the reason we started the Andy Campbell show, at this you know, it's kind of evolved into two shows now, but initially it was a championship show because me and Andy were both such big fans of the championship and we felt it was very under... Appreciated for for what it is. I I find it it's the most enjoyable football to watch. Mm-hmm. I find of all all football around the world, all the football I watch, which is a lot. Uh, I enjoy the championship the most because it's so in, unpredictable. There's, and you know, you look at some of the players which are playing in the championship now. They are players who are very very good footballers. You know, they're people like Wayne Rooney, and and you get a lot of international footballers. It's not like you know, fifteen years ago where the championship was long ball football and you know, that's evolved into something completely different now. Um, and even now, I feel like the championship does get, you know, it gets its coverage on Sky or whatnot. But I do think it's massively undervalued because, you know, the fact that the the EFL show, if you like, or the championship show is on Quest or whatever mm-hmm. it's on now, that kind of shows to me that it's really undervalued because, you know, that should be on one of the the highlight shows, should be on you know, one of the, the five terrestrial main channels for me. Yeah, I know. 100%
1: agree. 100% agree. Um, <clears throat> I know that as a slight kind of insight into that. The quest just undercut everybody's bidding the, in the last one. And uh, so, you know, they, that's kind of where they, where they went with it. The, um, uh, you know, the AFL the they, went, they went with the money. But I don't know. I, you kind of feel that if you go with a terrestrial channel, you get more than money. You know, yes. the money is important, but the coverage and the, the widespread um, of of the tournament, the fact that people can go and watch it, uh, we're probably going to make an argument for cricket as well, and I'm sure you will when you yeah. speak to the guys, but um, you know, that that opportunity for people to see it on a terrestrial channel where they know it's going to be and it's, it's in there. That said, like, I thought the BBC's last effort um, of the Football League show was nothing short terrible um so, so yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, good but um but yeah for, certainly for myself because obviously as for talk sports on my patch at the moment you know swansea bristol city and cardiff are all championship clubs so so i watch a lot of championship football um i think it is a, you get some fantastic games with uh, up? Uh, you know thud and <laughs> lots of blood and thunder uh, and a little bit of uh, thud and blunder uh, mm-hmm. as, the, uh, as the saying goes. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting, really interesting division. And as you see it coming to a conclusion now, you know, I was at Bristol City against Stoke last night and um, it was, a yeah, both teams going for it. <laughs> Goodness me, if either of them had a striker who could actually score, then uh, uh, then it would, a, it would have been a real goal fest and a proper game. But uh, they had to rely on two centre-halves to score goals last <laughs> night. But Cardiff for them, he must be absolutely... Yeah. Buzzing with that. That's uh,
0: uh just one about foot in the uh, in the playoffs right now. Yeah, and it's changed so much over in the re- you know, in the last few weeks it's been up and down and we when you came back from lockdown, Cardiff won a couple straight off the banks and they played well and you thought, All right, here we go. Nice big we're gonna be the team who goes on a run into the playoffs and then they kind of stuttered and then all of a sudden didn't look as good as they had in the previous couple of games. Um, but they do seem to. They, I thought they were pretty good against Derby. I got to be honest. I didn't think Derby were great, but I thought Cardiff were pretty good. Um, but the championship's just so un- unpredictable. Uh, is like at a certain points we've kind of tipped on the show that we thought Blackburn were going to be the side to really make a run for it. They had some. They've got some great players, mm. and then all of a sudden they've got kind of gone to pieces after the break. Um, Derby made. A really late run for it, but I think their start to the season was so poor that they just had too much to do. Yeah. Um, and then you look at Wigan, who were, you know, gone into administration. Not quite sure what's going to happen with points deductions and things. And then they go and win eight 0 And actually, they their form has been incredible since since they've um, come back from the break. It's just mm. it's just exciting to watch. Um, yeah.
1: Keeps and I like... interested right to the end, doesn't it? Really 100%. interested right to the end. Uh, and as you say, some terrific players, you know, like uh, it's kind of college-wide uh, kind of boys and watching when Nathaniel Mendes-Lang is in full flight or, uh, or I you down at Swansea or uh, Bristol City, uh, Patterson and, uh, and, well, not Vyman so much. He runs around a lot. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: uh, yeah, so uh, so when you see those guys in full flight and and showing off their skills, you know it's uh, is a wonderful sight. And you know, well, let's hope we can get another Premier League side. But if we don't, no biggie. You know, I, I love going to watch Championship football.
0: Yeah, me and Andy will have to have a very interesting conversation if, for instance, Middlesbrough get relegated to League One and oh. Cardiff Cardiff get promoted to the Premier League. What yeah, will happen to the championship show <laughs> with both if both our teams are out there? But yeah. um, no, I think um, we both enjoy it so much. It's, I just, I got to be honest, from a content point of view, I just enjoy speaking to people and making content, and I'm making right. such a vast, uh, vast amount of it and a different subject I've been really lucky with guests and people that I've got to just meet and speak to just so many uh, different people. Mm. different views, I've got to speak to some of my heroes, and it's just been kind of cool. Um, yeah. And the championship show has just evolved. So when the COVID nineteen came along, we kind of thought, right, the cha- there's no championship, so do we just kind of keep going on, and me and you will just talk about the football news for the week, which is you're going to after a couple of weeks, you're kind of just talking about the same yeah. thing. So we thought, well, no, we'll bring in, we'll just bring in a guest each week, and and I think what people like about it is that it's because it's live it's like they've got instant kind of access to the to the people they can ask a question see their reaction listen to their reaction um and i like to think that we do it quite well and and i like to think as well it's something different like you don't see that anywhere really so yeah yeah, i guess that's what you're trying to do but um Um, yeah sorry go on go on
1: no no i was just gonna say that's kind of you know you've touched on so many reasons there why we why we started eat sleep media that was um it was all of those things sort of rolled into uh, into one really the, the fact is you know you want to do your best by the product you love and the thing that you love uh that it's your hobby that is uh that if you can make your hobby your, your job and and, and you're earning then it means a lot to you and and if you can't then you just enjoy it anyway so um yeah it's a a lot of those reasons you just touched on were exactly why we got Eat Sleep Media started. So, um,
0: just kind of... Oh, I'll, I'll come to back to that. What, um, what do you feel about the Welsh national team at the moment? Obviously, we were all set for the Euros uh, and then they got moved back. Um, Giggs made a bit of a rocky start. And for me, I feel as if he had a very similar kind of starting period to Chris Coleman, whereby chris coleman tried to for you know for obvious reasons tried to to keep playing the way gary speed's side had played with the same players and the same tactics and it was only when he kind of decided no i'm gonna do it my way and i'm gonna do my tactics and my formation that things kind of fell into place for him and i feel like Giggs was in a similar boat whereby he almost initially was trying to continue obviously of you know for obvious reasons again because it had been successful Chris Coleman's work and it was only then may, maybe when he decided no I'm going to go with these young players and I'm going to try and build my own side for the future that I think things did start to fall into place for him would you yeah. agree
1: with that um I, yeah to an extent to an extent um I think the I think Ryan Giggs came into it uh with um i think we've been on a journey as well football fans we've sort of been on an evolutionary journey with gigs because he's such an obviously a new coach it was his first job it was his first opportunity to to be the main man um and i think we've been on the learning curve with him and that's why at times it's felt like it's like oh my god what happened there or you know the elation of like that is fantastic and then the next game you're like what happened to that team that played 90 minutes ago? Where have they yeah. gone? So, um, and I think that that is when you sort of sit back in the cold, cold idea and try and analyse it. I think that's where you, um, as a manager and as a, a, as a new coach, I think that was the journey he was on. So I think when he came in, I think you're right. He definitely wanted to, to keep that kind of Chris Coleman uh, defensive solidity. But he wanted to crowbar on top of it. You know, he had these ideals of really kind of fast attacking players and what have you. And I um, was lucky enough to go to the, uh, the coaches' conference that the FAW Trust do every year, and he did a bit okay. of a talk there. And he he basically kind of looked back on the China Cup and his first kind of few months in charge of of Wales. And he was talking about how during the World Cup qualification under Chris Coleman that we just missed out on uh, against Ireland in the last match. So we didn't have, I think it was one offside in the entire qualifying campaign. Apparently Sam Vokes had said to him, yeah, that's because I timed my runs well. He's like, yeah, okay, well, maybe we're not making that ball in enough. So his point was that he wanted to turn defence into attack a lot quicker and he wanted players that were able to do that. And I think he was stuck then slightly in between the players that Chris Coleman had that could do that, the likes that have stuck around of Bale and Ben Davis, Ramsey, uh, Joe Allen, you know, those type of players who could get it and do it. And then the younger players who we could get to do it and had been coached like that and were, had the pace and the power to be able to do it, but not the experience. And then he had the likes of Andy King and great stalwarts like Dave Edwards. And, uh, yeah. and you know, have done fantastically well for us. we you know, we owe so much thanks for for, for everything they did in getting Euro twenty sixteen and, and all the things that happened there and being part of that squad. But he needed to move them on, um, and I think he was really, he showed his ruthless side because Ooh, he yeah. definitely showed you know when he took a lot of those players out and unceremoniously, you know, all of a sudden they found themselves on the bench or not even in the squads. Um, and I thought we saw, and we, then we saw the Republic of Ireland game, and we were like. Uh, where we battered them 4-1. And we were like, wow, this team, this is the way we want to play. Bale was playing as a sort of false nine. We had uh, um, uh, Brooks and Wilson, uh, Ramsey in the 10-0, Ampadu was a Allen. We were like, wow, this is a team, yeah. And then that just didn't quite work. And it was partly injuries, partly loss of form for some players. The squad was inexperienced, so he was getting fluctuations in performances. And then, as you say, I think he kind of then just—I think he had to then adapt to what we had. Um, yes. And I'll come on to it in a minute. But I think at this, the uh, the key for more thing obviously was hugely important to how we wanted to structure the team towards the end of the campaign, and it got us rolling, and it gave us structure. But I think one of the most important changes of the entire campaign that made it was Rob Page coming into the setup as coach uh, in the summer, well, last summer, twenty nineteen when Oshan Roberts moved on to um, to Morocco. And, uh, and I has no criticism of Osh in the slightest. I just think Rob Page added a different dimension to the coaching staff and the coaching thinking. And I think that that really helped Ryan with the team, with motivating and with, with putting together a structure in which to play from.
0: Yeah, and I think sometimes it's it's just about having the the right the right uh, the right people in the right roles um and you know Osher and roberts uh over the last probably 8 years or so 10 years has you know really built a reputation as one of the best coaches assistant managers in the in the world of football mm. um but you know there comes a time when it's the right time to move on and try you know new things and that's with anything isn't it it's not necessarily mm. just predominantly football it can be just in life, sometimes a, chain of ce- a change of scenery is needed, and yeah. I feel like maybe maybe that was it was the right time for Osh and Roberts to leave. It was the right time exactly. to bring in some fresh ideas. Yeah, because
1: um, it was like what you were saying about the the Coleman and trying to stay with what they'd achieved, and, yes. and obviously Osh was really proud of that, as he should be. Really proud of what they'd achieved, and and probably wanted Ryan to continue that, and how they wanted to play. They had certain ideas on that, and then but it was it wasn't quite maybe matching with how ryan wanted to do things and and look i'm, I'm surmising here but yeah, i think that bringing bringing uh, robert page in as a, a, he's a trusted friend of ryan Giggs, but he's also a man who does who will, will be a yes man as well um so he will have brought his own ideas to the table he was able to give ryan a real insight into some of the younger players that were coming through the twenty one. so like Gig suddenly picking Joe Morrell out of Lincoln City, where he was on loan in League One, and chucking him in for those qualifiers. I mean, like, oh, yeah. going, wow, okay, I, like I've watched Joe come through the ranks at Wales and, and at Bristol City, and he is a terrific young player, but has he got the experience for this? And he absolutely monstered it, didn't he? Absolutely monstered it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then there was kind of bringing in Mepham and Roden as the centre half pairing and all the rest of it. So I think, uh, I think Rock Page was really important in that. And Bob Page is a little bit old school. He will get in your face and sort of rile you up and get you going and screaming on the sidelines. Whereas Osh, uh, Albert Stuvenberg and Giggs are a little bit, you know, they're, they're more on the quieter side, more analytical, yes. you know, that kind of thing. So, um, so I think I think Page adds a little bit of oomph in there as well.
0: Yeah, and I think as well the the thing which uh, people need to remember is these with so many young players, you are going to get inconsistency it's just natural that players you know they're they're still on a big steep learning curve particularly when you pick players who are on loan at like lower league clubs you're going to have that even more so but i thought um i thought it was a big risk by uh gigs to bring in you know those players um but you know it it paid off obviously because they all did so exceptionally well um and wales you know look. I said to um, my friend the other day, I really just wish that Ramsey and Giggs were about three years younger than what they are. (laughs) Because because the young talent coming through for Wales is just incredible. Mm -hmm. But you always feel like those two are just so important and catalysts for everything which Wales do and have done over the last few years. And in many ways, I feel like Aaron Ramsey is more important to the team than Gareth Bale is, if that makes sense. And I think yeah. that showed in the Euros when he was uh, out of the semi-final. I thought, mm. I, I always, maybe it's like the football kind of fan in me and it's the, my heart speaking over my head. But I still believe that if Ramsey had played, we would have beaten uh, Portugal in that semi-final. But I do. There we go. Oh,
1: yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, well, um, I think they complement each other really well. Um, so when Ramsey doesn't play... We don't have a sort of a player who's breaking from midfield who can break the lines. Now, as soon as when, when he doesn't play and the ball gets played into Gareth, he's always doubled up on, where he can move around and he can pull the defenders about. But, you know, they're going, yeah, yeah, it's fine. We can, we can keep two on you. We can manage the situation like that. When you've got Ramsey, he breaks the lines uh, and, and puts players under pressure and turns players so well, and so easily with those kind of late runs. that all of a sudden, Bale finds himself with space. And as soon as he's got space, he will destroy teams, which is why, you know, he's, he's the, the leading scorer of, of all time on the men's side of the game. So uh, I think a great example of that was then for, uh, against Russia. Actually, I suppose the, the Hal Robson-Karni goal as well against Slovakia, but goal against Russia where, you know, Ramsey committed players, brought them in, played out to Bale, Bale finishes. Uh, and it, it's that kind of role, and that's the, the dimension that Aaron Ramsey... Uh, brings to the team and, and you've now got some young players like David Brooks coming in who can do that and uh, obviously in his own way, in a slightly different way, you've got Dan James on the other side who can add a bit of pace and fire to his game but, um, but yeah, I think um, I think it is, it is a key part to it uh, Aaron Ramsey but the young players that you talk about and I, and I actually think this is going to be really, really good for Wales is that you're just starting to see a little bit of a stop uh, a stockpile of players coming up through the ranks. So yes. we do a lot of work in you know, around the seventeens and nineteens and twenty ones, uh, as well as the first team. And, and, and we're just seeing that these players are starting to bottleneck. And I think Paul Bowden it might be a bit different this autumn because um, because there's I think there's going to be eight international games over this autumn period crammed into those three weeks which is absolutely ridiculous by the way Silly, but you know that let's let's not go there so they have the hmm. nation's league and two forced friendlies uh, going on in the autumn which is crazy um but um, but yeah so they've got so i think gigs will need kind of a bigger squad to be able to to work with that but the under-21s have got three, three four matches. Uh, they're sitting second uh, on level points with Germany at the moment in their group. Uh, their group. got some really talented boys like Brennan Johnson, uh, Ben Cabango, uh, and they would have already been fast-tracked into the first team if it wasn't for the fact that we've already got lots of young players fast-tracked into the first yes. team. And then you've got the 19s coming up through, which is like Nico Williams' age group. Uh, And and some terrific players. Sam Bowen, uh, Jason Bowen's son, uh, Cardiff, is is coming through in that team. Really, really good central midfielder. Um, Keenan Patton, a young lad at Bristol City called Sam Pearson. You know, these players that we would have been accelerating into the 21s. Now they're staying at their age groups, and then the 18s coming below them aren't getting a game. So Wales are introducing an under 18s team for the first time. Uh, Matthew Joe, Joe Swansea. Uh, A midfielder and uh, Leeds, not Swansea midfield, sorry, Leeds and Leicester midfielder. Um, He's taken over that team. Um, And and then you've got a seven teams as well with some really talented boys. I think uh, Robbie Savage's son is in the under-17s. Charlie Savage, um, who's with Manchester United. So you've got all these teams now. The competition to step up through them is really fierce. And that is... That's a, that's a position that we've never known, not in my lifetime as a Wales football fan. You know, you've never seen those youth teams packed. So the, the future is really exciting. And those players are now going to have to kind of bide their time in those, in those age groups before bursting into the scene. Whereas before, you know, as I said, uh, they would have got thrown in there like Ethan Ampadu's and, and uh, Dave Brooks's and those sort of players.
0: Oh, yeah. Hundred percent, they would have. Um, okay, so just to finish off, I'm going to ask you this question. Um, you can keep it as brief or as uh, detailed as you'd like. Um, which Welsh player uh, from the kind of new crop, from like say like uh, Ampadu and uh, Matondo down to the teams you just discussed, which yeah. player excites you the most
1: and why? Good question. Good question. Um, so, uh, okay, so there's a couple of players who uh, who I who really think. So, Ethan Ampadu obviously is is you know uh, such Special. an incredible talent, absolute beast of a midfielder, and and maybe even will end up at centre back rather than in midfield. Uh, he, Joe Roden, um, I think Bango coming through. They and and then. They, they're they going to be kind of the mainstay of the team, I think, for the next decade. Uh, Dave Brooks, I think, is going to be sensational. Um, I think he's going to get a big move this summer from Bournemouth, and I think he's going to be sensational. But if we're looking at a kind of, kind of couple of outsider names, um, the young lad at Manchester United called Dylan Levitt, and he can play. Oh, my days, that boy can play. You know, he's got that kind of reading of the game, um quick one-touch passing, can keep the tempo going, can long, long-range passing is sensational, uh, and also scores a few as well. So he is a really, really exciting talent. The trouble is that he's just at that 19 age. He's not physically developing as quickly as his peers. He's quite a slight lad, pretty small. So you just kind of think, I hope that he gets the opportunities in the right places and it's maybe maybe he's one of those that looks at a move abroad and maybe goes off to the Dutch leagues or something like that to actually kind of develop his technique and allow himself to, to develop physically. Um so he's a really interesting one. I think he's gonna be a he's gonna be a star if he gets the right right moves. But it's that age group, isn't it? That yeah. 21. And I'm sure you guys talk about it in terms of loans and all that kind of stuff. It's not an exact science. Um but yeah I think I think Dylan and the, could be on new Joe Allen. I don't want to throw that on him too, much too early, but yeah, he he could be that one to sort of take Joe's mantle on in the uh, in in future. It's a, it's exciting time to be a Welsh football fan, no oh, doubt. Mate, there's, so, there's so many players, so many players, so many players. It's just
0: it's unheard of. Yeah, um,
1: yeah.
0: So I know you've got to go. So um, where tell okay, me we
1: got, we got a little bit longer. That's fine. Right.
0: Okay. I will let. How do you think Rabi Matondas? doing and uh, what do you think when he uh moved to Schalke I Did thought it surprise a... you
1: yeah uh it surprised me that he went quite so early I thought he was still pretty young to to make that move and I know Manchester City think a lot of him and they were trying to persuade him to stay I kind of get why he made the move um apart from the fact that it's worth absolute millions to him um <laughs> it, but it's See, I think that is a better idea than Ethan Ampadu going out on loan. And the reason I think that that is a better idea for him to have actually made the whole move is that while Ethan's at Leipzig, he's only there for a year. So Leipzig are basically going, well, that's fine. If you can come in and you can be our top performer, then we'll play you. But you're only a loan player, so it's not really up to us to develop you on the pitch as a player, you know, we're here challenging for the title. Whereas for Schalke, they've invested in Rabi and so it's in their interest to make him as good as they possibly can and get him on the pitch as much as they possibly can because they'll want to sell him on for a profit so it benefits the player. So I think in terms of minutes and in terms of a sale, I think it was the right move for Rabi rather than taking loan deals. Uh, Unfortunately, he's got to Schalke and it's not, they've not been the most stable of clubs over the last since so what, since his arrival, really, which is a bit of a shame, but I think he's got um I think he's got a lot more uh, to go, and I think it's been a great learning curve for him, and and what a brave kid as well, you know, like and he is a lovely lad as well, like off the pitch he is an absolute star, so um so yeah, so I think I think he'll do fine because I think his heart's in it and wants to be the best he possibly can, um so yeah, I think I think I think overall it will turn out to be a good move for him. Um I was a little bit surprised at how, quite how young he was to
0: make that move. Yeah, I mean he's made um 27 appearances I think this year or 28 mm-hmm. um which is pretty good for, you know for such a young lad in a foreign country to go out and play that many games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I I find it frustrating that you've got this Cardiff lad who's obviously so you know so such a good footballer mm-hmm. was at Cardiff in the youth team and somehow you know for whatever reason has you know he's ended up at man city and then he's gone to schalke like cardiff are desperately crying out for these the the players coming through the academy like uh, perhaps they used to have and then you see these these welsh lads and these cardiff boys elsewhere it can be frustrating as a cardiff fan
1: Oh, I can totally understand that, yeah. And that's why they need to get the likes of Sam Bowen through, you know. I think it's quite an important season for them. I, I know they've let Keenan Patten go out to Pennebon to go and get some experience. And, you know, like, that that little clutch of players, there's about four or five of them in that age group of the 19s. And they really need to be brought through. But they need a proper plan to bring them through. Like, for all the good that Neil Warnock did for you guys and getting you up and all the rest of it, you know, like... He had absolutely zero interest in getting no. those kids into the first team. Zero interest, oh, yeah. um, and, and and that's never been his way. So if you're employing him, then you know you you must know that if you've do, done your proper due, due diligence on him. So um, so yeah, so I think that's that's kind of key to it. Uh, Neil Harris, from what I understand, is you know he understand he he knows that the club wanted to do that. I think he's a bit more of a believer in young players, although. You know, the one that really frustrates me is Cameron Cox. I mean, this—I yeah. was watching him playing for Wales and you go, What a player he is! There were stories of Man City watching him, and then all of a sudden, he's now without a club. <laughs> you go, well, what happened there? What what, what happened in that pe- in between period? And I think what happened was that he just did not get enough game time at a crucial first team game time at a crucial period, and um, and so that shows mismanagement. In some yeah. ways, you know, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure people on the inside may have a slightly different view of it, but then the way it's been restructured and the youth systems being, you know, turned around again, then it's, it's, uh, it, it makes you wonder, make doesn't it? you feel it is a bit of a problem?
0: So we had, um, Mehmet Dalman on, uh, mm-hmm. on the live show before, and um you know, we asked him about that, and he said the club are committed to, to trying to get, you know, these homegrown players through the academy setup and they've restructured the academy and and yes you know it's good to hear that but ultimately like for instance with Cox he was on the bench a lot but never getting on mm-hmm. and then even when there was opportunities to give him some game time whether it was a game where you're up or where it was a game where there wasn't much on and you could you know give him a start he never really got that opportunity mm-hmm. And then you've always got this kind of what if then, because like you say, he's without a club now. Now, what if he had played 10, 15 first team games, would he have developed? And would the club have had a different opinion of his ability or is, you know, you don't know if there's any other issues which caused the, the parting of ways, but from a purely football point of view, he looked more than capable of being a player who could come through. And now he's, you know, I I just hope that he does find another club sooner rather than later, and doesn't end up kind of one of those talents yeah. which it's never
1: quite everyone, made it. Yeah, 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 and it would be a shame
0: yeah. because he looks like he's got. You know, he certainly looks like he's good enough to to be. You know, somewhere to mm. to not have a club at all seems strange to me. Um, yeah, agreed. Okay, what have you got coming up on Eat Sleep Media,
1: and uh, where can the people find it? all right so um so ec media we have got on the go at the moment uh we're going to be out filming for sport wales over the next few weeks uh as sport kind of gets going again in in uh, uh, across wales then we're going to be covering a few sports i think we've got some golf some uh some swimming to do and, and a couple of other bits and pieces so welsh sport insider which is a show we do for uh sport wales that's going to be up and running soon um, we've got some FC Cymru uh, uh, episodes coming up, which I haven't been done yet. One of them, actually, on age-grade football in Wales. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so we've got Joe Morrell and Rob Page, and Matty Jones, Rob Edwards and uh, Paul Bowden, all on that. So that'll be on the FAW channel. So that's FC Cymru on the FAW channels. Uh, we have just launched a women's football platform uh, called Ballers. Um, so that is in the moment, in its very, very infancy. So we've got some video stuff going out on that. If you go and check out uh, Proper Ballers on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and, uh, and TikTok, which I don't understand, mm-hmm. um, then uh, then you'll find some, some fantastic women's football content there. Uh, we've got some stuff with some Welsh girls. We've got some stuff with some English and Scottish. So it's a, it's a British-wide show, that one. Um, what else have we got? we got uh, The Accidental Startup which is a, a podcast that we've, uh, we've got going at the moment. Um, uh, so that can be found on Twitter and all good uh, podcast channels providers. Yeah. Um, and Welsh football fans will be back looking at all of the kind of huge autumn that we've got coming up internationally. I mean, like, on the one hand, it's ridiculous. We've got eight internationals. On the other hand, it's bloody Great. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we've got so much to talk about uh, oh, yes. and so much to do. So, um, so, yeah, so really happy with that and uh, and looking forward to getting that back up and running. And now you've shown me stream and this, I think I might be going to take this back to the guys and go in, listen, we, need, we might need to do this. This looks awesome. So uh, thank you very much, Saeed. Uh, no, that's right. It's, of, uh, uh, sparked the imagination for me today. It's, uh, it's really, really simple to use as well.
0: Which is uh, be even fun. better, <laughs> but um, I'm going to definitely check out the women's football one because, um, just very quickly, uh, my son used to train train for Cardiff on a Friday night, and mm. afterwards you had the the girls' teams used to train, the, who were slightly older, and um, they were just incredible. Some of the mm. stuff they could do, I was I used to stay behind and I'd like watch them play because they were just so good. So uh, I'm looking forward to that uh, series in particular. Yeah. Um, guys, you can check out all our podcasts and series. We've got so many different series coming up and already in motion. We have live uh, MMA and football shows, and we've got recorded uh, My Story, Unscripted and Uncensored, and just nice. general interviews as well. And uh, there's actors, fighters, bands, rappers, all sorts, footballers, boxers. You, If you could think of it... I probably had them on doctors nurses <laughs> had them all on but uh youtube.com ace podcast nation check it out and of course all the usual podcast and radio apps as well uh lawrence thank you for joining me my friend i really enjoyed the chat
1: so i had an absolute pleasure looking forward to the cricket stuff i'm going to be tuning in for the uh for the yeah. indeed cheers mate and I will speak to you soon